Welcome in Hear Hear. This is a teaser episode for Hear Hear, my audiobook podcast. I'm Dan Masterton, and in this podcast, I'll be reading to you, one chapter at a time, from my fiction story, What There Is to Be Done. In this excerpt, you'll hear the beginning of our story, a first glimpse of Mrs. Teresa Acutis and her work digs at Mary Mother of God High School. If you're interested in getting your hands on a paperback copy of the book, visit my link tree at linktr.ee slash danmasterton. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Dan Masterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send you your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. If you're interested in reaching out, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter at ThisLadDan, or drop an email to dmasterT at alumni.nd.edu. For now, enjoy this snippet. Just two preps this year, and four out of my five sections are AP U.S. history, Teresa told her friend over the phone as they wrapped up their conversation. She was driving into work at her teaching job. Teresa was a social studies teacher at a suburban Midwestern Catholic high school. Mary Mother of God Catholic High School was a mouthful, and it sort of doubled as a religious expletive for those who might take Mary's name in vain. Teresa also had mixed feelings about the sports teams being named the Theotokos, or Theotokosis. For those who didn't know Greek or didn't reach university-level theology, it was a confusing and hard-to-pronounce word. For those who liked sports and rooting for high school teams, it was sort of silly. If I ever get into the administration, I might have to go after that name, Teresa thought. She briefly laughed about how addled the word handmaid had become in mainstream culture, chuckling about what Mary in heaven thinks, or doesn't think, of all that nonsense and resolved instead on a better moniker. We should be the prophets. Man, could a student section have fun with that one. Teresa imagined one of her favorite juniors brazenly shouting at the visiting team before a basketball game. God called us to victory. She visualized seniors handing out signs in the student section saying things like, God has great plans for this team, plans for our welfare and not for woe. Or, thou shall not steal except our defense. For now, it was another season of Friday Night Lights where the mighty Theotokos would tokos the field. She pulled into the parking lot at 7.30 a.m. The campus was a welcome departure from the city school she had taught at years ago during her post-grad service, and she felt that way about the grounds, not the students. The big slice of land in the suburbs meant a faculty parking lot and a megalot for the students, on-site fields for most of the sports teams, a school with plenty of rooms and lockers and offices and departmental lounges for the teachers and their desks, and most every basic need the school community had, even if a bit dated to its establishment and construction back in the 1980s. The big difference was definitely the student body. Working at a Catholic school in the city brought a lot more diversity into the classrooms and hallways. A higher percentage of the students were non-Catholic, though many of them were non-Catholic Christians, and the students weren't dripping with white entitlement. Yes, they needed more one-on-one support and even some helicoptering, but their progress and responsiveness were what got you out of bed in the morning and kept you coming back. Luckily, Teresa had landed this job in a region of the suburbs that was not quite as white as the, in retrospect, pretty homogenous and fairly sheltered town where she grew up. It felt like a good fit to land at this school. Maybe she could be making more money at some prestigious private high school, and she'd have no problem being an agitator and challenger to the potentially deeper privilege of those students, but she was glad to be where she was. Arriving at 7.30 a.m. for an 8 a.m. pre-school year meeting was a strategic choice. Teresa liked to walk in while foot traffic was still a bit lighter, 
Many of her colleagues preferred that 755 rush when you juggle all your crap climbing out of your car and dash into the school cafeteria alongside a few dozen other stragglers to claim your seat for the day. For Teresa, the chance to say just a few hellos on her way from her car to the social studies departmental office was the way to go. It's not that she wasn't a morning person. It's not that she isn't relatively extroverted, especially as a teacher. Teresa just wasn't so bubbly and outgoing that she wanted to be on from the moment she pulled in. With her preferred timing, she could give the friendly nod to the buildings and ground staffers and receptionists and maybe have a quick chat to another teacher or two and make her way to her desk to get her bearings for another day. Today's 8 a.m. start marked the beginning of the end of new school year prep. The faculty and staff had weathered a week's worth of meetings on introductions of new hires, discussion of new school-wide policies, department-level conversations, and some prep time for themselves. Now today, Friday, felt like the welcome end of a grinding return to 40-plus hour weeks with the arrival of freshmen for orientation and the first full day of classes looming on the other side of one last weekend of rest. The schedule was lighter for this last day. The rhythm of 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. meetings now gave way to today's wrap-up session, just two hours for the principal and leadership to make their final cases before the chaplain and campus ministers took over for an hour of spiritual reflection and a commissioning mass. Then it was lunch and happy hour when the administrators donned their pun-embroidered aprons and tend the grills in the school parking lot, when teachers sipped cheap beers and commenced the annual choruses of bitching over games of inevitably under-competitive bags. Teresa walked into the social studies office at 7.32 a.m., feeling on point for this last day before the big days ahead. She set down her travel coffee cup on her desk and dropped her teacher bag on the floor next to her desk drawers. Teresa plopped down in her comfy but definitely rickety, janky teacher chair and surveyed what she hoped would remain her clean and orderly desk. The top left corner was prepared for five sections of history classes, highlighted by a cascading plastic organizing divider that held five pairs of file folders, each pair with a folder for submitted work and another for graded assignments. Beside them at the top middle of the desk were stacks of paper syllabuses, enough for the half of students who opted out of in-class personal device use in favor of pens and paper. Each stack turned at a 90-degree angle to the one beneath it to demarcate pre-counted quantities for each group she'd greet next week. At the top right, an impossibly jam-packed mug brimmed with pens, pencils, highlighters, and sharpies, a mild outlier of slight chaos alongside the adjacent organization. And in front of the mug was a simple 5 by 7 frame standing the tall way, with a picture of her and her husband John on their wedding day just over a year ago. That picture was a good fit amid the 90-10 organization-to-chaos ratio beside it, for they had a sturdy, mostly functional relationship that upheld them and made them both feel strong and supported, but came with the newly emerging uncertainty of wanting to start their family. Teresa reached down to grab her planner, a personal haven that would nudge the organization-to-chaos ratio further in the positive direction when she placed it on her desk. As she flipped open to the current week, wanting to think through the first days of classes, a voice broke in. But before he could ask half his question, Teresa interrupted him. How long have you been sitting there? The whole time? The whole time, Mike said. Teresa exhaled and smiled. Micah Solomon just went by Mike. He was often there before Teresa, and she often failed to notice his quiet presence. Just a few years older and a few years more experienced than Teresa, Mike went right from undergrad into teaching and had pretty quickly become department chair for Our Lady's Social Studies Department. Managing a team of 10 or so social studies teachers, 
Mr. Solomon managed the juggle with a fair amount of grace, and his calm demeanor and dry, casual wit made him a regular confidant and favored support of Teresa's. Can you see my calendar colors from there? Teresa asked from her desk by the doorway. I believe I see AP U.S. History blue, just as promised. Mike replied from his chairperson's desk at the rear center of the large room, about where a king might sit as he held court. I swear I was going to review my plans for week one. I swear I wasn't just admiring my color scheme and formatting. I swear Mike cut her off. Okay, sure. In earlier days, sometimes Mike's tone was a bit too tactless, and Teresa wondered if he was funny, an asshole, or maybe an indeterminate combination of the two. Turns out it was the latter, and ultimately at a reasonable ratio. To Teresa, Mike was ultimately somewhere between an older cousin and a college housemate. A little edgy, a bit cagey, a lot goofy, but almost always genuine and friendly. In this case, Mike knew the look on Teresa's face quite well. A look that said, even though I made this design weeks ago and have looked at it many times, looking at it again still brings me fresh and significant pleasure. Well, that's all for this week. Remember, if you want to grab a paperback copy of the book, visit my link tree at linktr.ee slash danmasterton. That's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash danmasterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. Finally, thank you for listening. May God bless you and all our Catholic school communities. And to you and your prayers and toasts, hear, here. The guitar instrumentals on this podcast are improvised and performed by Jason Pham. This book and podcast are copyright Dan Masterton 2021, all rights reserved.